Well, welcome back to uh, well, our, our coffee clutch. Uh, in fact, Heather and I are having coffee. It is Saturday morning. Pull up a chair, pull up a, a, a cup. And um, Heather, it is good to see you again. How was your week? How was your week? The week was good. We, I mean, the news is never good. Well, look, the news is never good. And what I tell my students and what I tell everybody is uh, your personal life is not the news. Mm. I mean, you've got to you've got to make sure that you understand there is a horrible war going on. There are, you know, there's a new strain of uh, of of COVID uh, that is certainly attacking the Northeast and and maybe heading to California. Uh, there are a lot of terrible things going on, but. Uh, your relationship, your family, your children, your parents, your your friends, uh, that's that's really primary. And as long as you as long as that's good, then you're good. This is good words of advice. I needed it. Well, <laughs> I you know, I don't get paid to be a armchair philosopher or a psychotherapist, but I think it is important that people understand uh, that their private lives are different. Uh, they don't have to be every minute of every day dictated to by by what happens in the rest of the world. Right. Which is also, we're privileged to be able to say that, but I think separating from the news and not getting in the dopamine feedback loops of social media is an important reminder. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, I, I sometimes do this myself. I, I take a day and I don't go on social media. Believe it or not. Have you done that? Not enough. I mean, I take about an hour and don't go on social media and feel like I deserve a trophy. <laughs> okay. So speaking of social media, I interest rate hikes coming, the stock market. Oh, yeah. Jerome, Jerome Powell. Powell. Yeah. Well, Jerome Powell, actually, the reason the stock market uh, is taking a dive is that Jerome Powell is raising interest rates. And obviously, if you raise interest rates, you slow the economy. That's what he wants to do. And that is necessarily going to cause uh, the stocks to go down. What really worries me, Heather, is that raising interest rates to try to control inflation is like a sledgehammer uh, applied to the wrong thing. I mean, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't work. Uh, prices are going up largely because big corporations have the pricing power to push prices up. Uh, you know, you're reminding me that, I don't know if I told you the story, that in the 1980s, I got the reputation as being an economic and stock market soothsayer. Did I ever mm, tell you about mm, this? Mm. Yeah, it was 19, let's see, 1987, first week of 1987. I was talking to a group. Um, I think that I, I was teaching a class, but there was another group there. And uh, somebody asked, well, what's going to happen to the stock market? And I said, well, in two weeks, it's going to lose 20% of its value. <laughs> and, you know, and... It turns out that two weeks after the first week of October of 1987, third week of October 1987, the stock market dropped 20%. Wow. Uh, people thought that I had such right. gifts of, of soothsaying ability. I was deluged with you know letters and people wanted to sign Investment advice, please. They wanted to sign up for my investment letter. <laughs> right. What I did not tell them is that that prediction I made in the first week of October 1987, that in two weeks the stock market was going to drop 20%. I've been making exactly the same prediction for four and a half years. <laughs> and so, uh, well played. It, it just shows you that if you stick your guns in terms of economics, who's saying you can have your own newsletter, economic newsletter. Right. Uh, Speaking, but, can I ask you another finance question? 
Yes. Elon Musk has announced he has gotten the backing. He's gotten the, his ducks in a row financially. Yeah, he's going to. Uh, he's got the forty-six billion to buy Twitter. He wants to. Uh, he's gonna, he's going to have to circumvent the poison pill that the Twitter management want to put want to put in because they don't want him to own Twitter. And uh, but it looks like he is well on the way. It's an interesting financing package because he is two thirds of it is his own fortune. Uh, one third is bank lending against. Twitter. I mean, it's using mm. Twitter as the security. It, it, it's, it's really basically the old, uh, it's, it's the way starting in the 1980s that the raiders, the corporate raiders mm -hmm. used to do their stuff. And, um, but he says, Musk, I was, I was listening. He, he says, well, this is the free market. You know, this is just the free market. Wow. Well, you know, Heather, <laughs> when billionaires, multi-billionaires, the richest person in the world uh, talks about freedom, free markets and, and, and free choice and, uh, and free speech. Uh, of course, they're talking about not being constrained, not being accountable mm -hmm. to shareholders or to the government or to markets. Uh, and this is an important point, actually, because I, I, we've talked about, and I've published stuff about uh, Musk's acquisition or, or ambitions for Twitter before. And people say, well, but if, if he wrecks Twitter, so what? People can always go elsewhere. They cannot go elsewhere. That's the whole point. Right. Social media, the, the kingpins of social media, the dominant, uh, dominant firms in social media have gained their dominance because everybody who wants to actually be heard has got to go there. Donald Trump learned this right. the hard way. I mean, he was, you know, once he was uh, expunged from Twitter, he, he couldn't create anything. I mean, Trump, what is it? Social? Trump social? Truth social. Truth social. Allegedly. Allegedly truth social. Allegedly. <laughs> well, and that proves the point. I mean, uh, the, the, the uh, people cannot simply leave. Right. Concentration is the word. Concentration I think. And of, of markets <laughs> right. and especially with high technology. Right. Okay. So here we are. Earth Day was yesterday. Anything about how did, how did you celebrate? Well, how did you or, celebrate Earth Day? I mean, we've tried to do some videos and talk about carbon dividends and keep people in the fight, keep people's attention on this issue that we need to remind them of. Well, the that is exactly the problem that people have to be reminded and it becomes almost a special interest issue. Mm. You know, the environmentalists, quote unquote, uh, when it's affecting every aspect of our lives. And I think we need to have a way of thinking about it and talking about it. That is not just the environment or not just the earth or preserving the earth. It seems too big. It seems out of anybody's control. Uh, and uh, somebody recently, I can't remember who, suggested that maybe we concentrate on the public health aspects uh, the fact that so many people, uh, so many people's health is being negatively affected by pollution. Mm -hmm. um, and this is not just the poor who are living in highly polluted areas. It's, it's the middle class. Uh, and, uh, and it is something that we have to get hold of, not just to save the world, right. which again is too big, too difficult, but because so many of us and our children really uh, are being affected right now. Right. And animals. And animals. And the whole, you know, system. Well, I, I think it's, it's seeing it as a system, a whole system is what's intimidating. And people, 
I mean, there's so many things going on in the world right now that so many people say, well, I can't, I can't do anything about it. I mean, I just, just leave me right. alone. It's overwhelm. It's overwhelm. Right. And I think you've got to boil the, instead of Earth Day, you mm -hmm. know, Health Day. Right. Or something that makes people uh, understand the relationships. I, you know, uh, cigarette smoking, remember, it was very popular. Mm -hmm. I remember. I'm old enough. You don't, you don't remember. I do. Uh, My parents smoked. And your great-parents. Yeah. <laughs> Great-grandparents right. and grandparents. Uh, but in 1964, the Surgeon General came out showing that smoking was linked with cancer. Mm -hmm. That had a little bit of an effect. But the real drop in smoking was when the Surgeon General of the United States came out with studies showing that people were affected by secondary smoke, mm -hmm. that their own health and the health of their children was being affected by other people smoking. That did it. Right. Well, and cigarette taxes also. Cigarette taxes were always, yeah, that's right. They went up uh, and we had a lot of warning labels, mm -hmm. uh, but it was the ambient air, right. the pollution in the air, mm -hmm. the health effects that really did start to happen. And third hand air. smoke is also a thing. Um, okay. One thing that was positive from the week was oh the, please positive you positive mind? news you, yes let's let's try i let's did some try. digging yeah here's what i came up with some forensics um the flagship store of starbucks the roastery in seattle unionized unionized yeah well it's it's a it's a fascinating story um we, we it's still a very small percentage of starbucks workers starbucks workers there's 6500 in the united states maybe what 200 have been unionized so far. Uh, there are five stores that have been now unionized. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is a major uh, break in the, the fence, mm -hmm. the, this fortified fence that Starbucks had created. Uh, it's like Amazon. If Amazon begins to see unionization, as it's starting to see, uh, they, they, it has a snowball effect. Uh, and I think that uh, Starbucks and Amazon have been so kind of vehemently against the right of people to unionize and thrown so much against those workers uh, that this is a this is a great victory. Right. And the snowball effect is in what's actually happening in terms of the unions, but also the mental organizing mentality of people. Right. So talk about that a little bit, if you will. Well, I think people say now unions are possible. You know, I as a worker, it is a tight labor market. Uh, that's what I'm told as I as a worker. But I, I now know that it is possible to do much better. Uh, and I don't have to quit the job and get another job. Mm -hmm. uh, I just get together with my, my fellow employees. We are very valuable. And our companies, these companies are profitable, highly profitable. The big companies in America now have uh, profits that have reached a 70-year record. Uh, why are they so reluctant to share those profits with their employees? Right. I mean, it is true. Wages did go up. We now know wages went up over the last year, uh, but uh, inflation went up much faster than inflation. So if you look at the real, that is inflation adjusted wage gains of workers in the United States, the median wage actually dropped 2.7% last year. Right. You taught me compared to what is what we ask in policy school. It's always compared to what? Right. And compared to inflation, uh, workers are really doing uh, badly. Right. Um, so one other thing, we'll go get back to something grim again. Um, nearly two dozen candidates for secretary of state do not believe that Biden won. Oh, at the state level. At the state level. So right now we're seeing all over the country candidates emerging for 
they're running for secretaries of state at different different states. They will be on the ballot uh, in primaries and in the general election in, in uh, the midterms mm-hmm. uh, next November. And the f- problem is that a large, a really a frighteningly large number of them believe that the 2020 election was stolen by Biden from Trump. Now, these secretaries of state run the election machinery oh, in most critical. states. And if they are, you know, if they have this kind of mind brain um, uh, problem, if they are kind of sucked into the cult that is Donald Trump, uh, we're all in trouble. No, I, I've been advising people. In fact, we just did a video about this. Uh, make sure you know in your state who is running for secretary of state. Make sure you know of uh, you know their their credentials uh, that they are reasonable, sane people. Uh, because uh, if they're not, you've got to take action. Right. You've got to tell everybody. Yeah, and I think this is a reminder for all of us to pay attention at the local level. As Absolutely. Well as the level. Uh, yeah, local and state elections are in many ways as important, if not more important, than the federal elections. Everybody, the news, uh, because it's become so centralized, you know, local newspapers and local news outlets now have disappeared in many places. So everybody gets national news and international news, but we don't know what's happening in our own cities, in our own towns, and in our own states. And that's where the action is on elections. Right. Okay, this was helpful. Did I cheer you up? No, def- that's a no. Um, no, you did. It's always so- it is helpful to have you process things, you know, and to watch others process them. I think that's how you maintain sanity in some degree and connect the dots. Well, connecting the dots is important. That's what we're trying to do. Um, you know, I try to do on Substack, and all of you on Substack, thank you for joining me in this effort. And uh, Heather, you run Inequality Media, and that's what you and we are doing on Inequality Media, connecting the dots, giving people a sense of context, mm-hmm. uh, and so that they can understand that every little bit that happens is not just a little bit happening here and there. It's all connected to a larger tapestry of change, and we need to understand that large picture, that large story. And we have to reframe sometimes what the media or others are framing in some way. So well, some of the framing, and again, framing is an interesting word. Framing is about the public understanding what the choice really is. And the framing, unfortunately, is often simply wrong. People don't see the big picture, they don't see the big choices, or they see it in this kind of minuscule, mm-hmm. uh, angry, uh, kind of, you know, Trump Republican versus uh, Democratic uh, vision when what's really happening, at least with regard to our democracy, is uh, the contest is between democracy and autocracy or democracy and oligarchy. Uh, we shouldn't think in such narrow terms. What are you doing for the weekend? Mm. Um, I mean, you have Sunday. We've, we've kind right. of got rid of Saturday morning. Right. So uh, we plan, I plan to take my child to play mini golf. Do you say mini golf or do you say putt-putt? No, I never say (laughs) putt-putt. I say mini golf. No, when I had little kids, we went to play um, mini golf. I think because I have some Southern family members. They say putt-putt in the South? Yes, people say putt-putt. So, But I say mini golf. So we're going to go mini golfing. It's outside. It feels like a break we're fortunate to be able to do it we'll take a break from the realities that's great and, that's yeah, terrific that's good. well good luck and with you? your mini golf. well you? i have my best friend 
college friend is coming to visit. I'm so excited. Uh, got the bedroom ready for him. And, uh, I, you know, an old friend. And well, when I say old friend, I'm talking about really old friend, over 50 years. Uh, there's nothing like, I mean, just because you know each other so well. Right. And uh, now when's the last time you saw? Oh, in, in person. In person, right. Probably before the pandemic. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Enjoy. And he lives in he lives in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And well, he's a wonderful man. I won't bore you with the details. <laughs> wow. But um, listen, happy putt-putt. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, for everybody out there, we'll see you next week.